Welcome to the Under Grace Podcast. This podcast covers everything of how Jesus Christ, Yeshua, God, or Jehovah relates to us. God represents all things holy, pure, righteous, just, praiseworthy. The list goes on and on. Every human is a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. However, the story doesn't end there. Romans 6.14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Grace is undeserved, God-given help, offered to everybody for our renewal or purification or forgiveness. Still with me here? Great. Get ready to sit back and enjoy God's grace. Hello and welcome to the Under Grace Podcast. Today I'm going to answer the question, is there free will in salvation? I believe in free will, but what does it mean? Many would conclude that it means the power to do whatever you choose or the power to decide what you will do in a given situation. The key words here are chooses and decides. However, we must remember that our choices have consequences. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Even though we can do anything we want, not everything benefits us or those around us. Responsibility must be considered before making any choice. The next verse in 1 Corinthians 10 says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. The Bible covers free will in these three verses that discuss who we will serve, deciding to be obedient or disobedient, and to choose between life or death. First, we have the free will to decide who we will serve. Joshua 24, 14-15 says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We also have the free will to decide obedience or disobedience. Deuteronomy 28, 1-2 says, And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 28.15 says, But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Finally, we have the ability to choose between life and death. Deuteronomy 30.19-20 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. In addition to free will, there are three ways in which choices can be limited. First, we are limited in power. 
we only have the ability to do a certain number of things. For example, I may desire to do something, but do I actually do it? I may want to lift a thousand pounds or try to hold my breath for 10 minutes, but that doesn't give me the ability to do it. Just because I want to do it doesn't mean I should. No one can stop me from doing it. I just don't do it because I don't have the power or the ability. We are also limited in our desires. We will only do what we desire or prefer. We are limited by what we desire and want. For example, I will not choose to buy onions because I don't prefer them. They disgust me. They'll just sit in my pantry and rot away if I buy them. My desires also shape what I choose and will. Finally, we are limited by our decisions because we can be blind to the truth. For example, I think the Denver Broncos are the best NFL football team ever. However, there are some out there who are blind to this truth and choose not to become fans. In the same way, some are blinded to the truth of the gospel and God's free gift of salvation, so they may not choose it. Ephesians 2, 1-3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in our passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Before choosing to follow Christ, we were dead in spirit. We were trapped by the desires of the flesh. We were blinded and could not see. The sad truth is that in this state of unbelieving, man is not only unaware, he also holds steadfast to his fleshly desires. The phrases in the above scripture, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, reveal that the flesh rejects God's salvation and instead lives in lust and worldliness. Logically, free will means that I have the opportunity to choose. However, because my flesh only wants to do evil things, and if I am totally ignorant, blind, or dead to God's way, I will choose evil every single time. Romans seven fifteen through 20 says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. Free will infers that God cannot force us to believe. So, are we stuck with our fleshly desires? Scripture goes on to describe the flesh in Psalm 14, 2-3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. So, after looking at these scripture passages, it implies that we are left alone more than ever with our sinful will. We don't have to choose God, and it is impossible for man to choose God apart from his divine intervention. 
And now, a word from our sponsor. We all depend on our cell phones, laptops, tablets, computers, and other devices. They are the lifeblood of a business. They store priceless information. They help us with school assignments. They keep us in touch with friends and loved ones. They keep us on time to appointments or remind us of important dates. One of the most frustrating and sometimes devastating things is when one of your devices doesn't function as well anymore or even completely stops working. This is where Integrity Device Repair comes to the rescue. Integrity Device Repair is a concierge device repair company that can set up and fix your smartphone, tablet, Mac or PC, smartwatch, gaming console or music player and help you master it. They can help in selected stores or over the phone. Their down-to-earth and professional technicians will physically meet you anywhere in the state of Colorado, whether it be where you work or live. Pick a location and they'll be there, rain, snow or shine. Are you outside of Colorado? No problem. Simply mail your device in and Integrity Device Repair will take care of it. Cracked screens, water damage, speaker issues, no signal, device rebuilds or battery issues. No job is too difficult for Integrity Device Repair. Do you need a new case for your cell phone, a flash drive, a Bluetooth headset, the latest laptop or cellular device? Integrity Device Repair offers competitive prices for all these as well. Contact Integrity Device Repair at idrtech.us. That's idrtech.us. They have the highest ratings on Google and many satisfied customer testimonials. As a promotional opportunity, exclusively for listeners of this podcast, enter the word UNDRGRCE in all caps into the message section under customer support and receive a 10% discount on your purchase. Try Integrity Device Repair and they will live up to their honest reputation with their fair pricing and flexible schedule. Integrity Device Repair. They can fix it almost as fast as you can break it. Now I will discuss my choice in salvation. I wholeheartedly know that my choices and decisions determine the path my life will take. In addition, I also believe in God's intervention in certain areas of my life where I have no control. For example, I have control over my decision to accept a certain job opportunity. However, what I don't have control over is when it snows. It makes the road slick and leads to me being late for that interview. I also don't have control over other people's actions, only my own. I can't force my kids to come with me to run an errand. It is up to them to either remain at home or come with me. Anything that is forced usually leads to resentment and eventual rebellion. If I forced my kids to go to church with me while they lived under my roof, they may be more inclined to choose not to attend church once they lived on their own and went to college and were out of my house. I also can't force my kids to love me. That is their choice. What I can do is, if I want my kids to love me, is to love them first. I can create an environment that is healthy, that makes it a lot more easier for them to reciprocate or return their love back to me. I can be open to them and honest. I can give them gifts. I can engage in fun activities with them and do things with them that they like to do instead of sit on my cell phone all day. However, ultimately, the decision is entirely up to my kids if they choose to love me back. Action and inaction come from our free will. There are many parts in the Bible that involve action on our part. There are positive actions like loves, sows, speaks, confesses, proves, presents, believes, accepts, receives, calls, trusts, abides, overcomes, and worships. There are also other actions of the Bible that humans choose to take neglects, insults, mocks, scoffs, does not believe, does not hear, does not obey, forsakes, rejects, 
forgets, refuses, wanders, and denies. I have references for all these, so contact me if you want them. Before every action we take, there is a decision that starts in our minds. I must decide to turn left or right down a certain road. I must decide to talk to a particular person or to remain quiet. The same goes for everyone who receives God's free gift of salvation. Romans 5:15-18. Man must choose to believe and then he is saved. Romans 10:9-10. I must choose to receive any gift that is given to me. In choosing to receive it, I can also reject it. Along these same lines, I can reject God's eternal mercy and salvation and suffer eternal damnation if I don't repent. He offers it up to me completely free of charge with no strings attached, but it is up to me to accept it and live my life devoted to God. Now I will discuss God's choice in salvation. Like I mentioned before, God will not force himself on anyone. There is nowhere in the Bible where God does this. Instead of forcing, someone has to have a desire to change. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Believing that God will force someone to change is completely unbiblical. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. This means that change isn't caused by force, but by being humble, praying, seeking, and turning from sin. When the children of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years due to disobeying God, he never forced them to change. In John 11:25, Jesus said to Martha, the sister of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. You may be thinking that God can still change a person's heart, and this is true. Only God can do this. However, that heart needs to be prepared by its owner to receive the change God has in store. Ephesians 4, 22-24 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six says, And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. God changes people's hearts through his mercy. What is God's mercy? Well, the greatest example of this is when he sent his son, Jesus. John 3.15 says that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We don't have to look for or earn God's mercy because it has already been provided for us. John 14.6 says, Jesus said to him, Thomas the disciple, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So God doesn't force anyone to change. Once one desires to change, they can then be transformed by Jesus. In 2 Samuel, King David had Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed in battle so he could take her as his wife. He had committed a mortal sin against this couple and against God. 
The prophet Nathan then approached David and confronted his sin. David could have rejected Nathan's rebuke and continued on living his unjust life. However, he would have ultimately been judged once he entered eternity. Instead, David saw his sin and repented. God never forced David to change. He provided David with the blunt truth about his sins through Nathan. David owned up to his sins, asked forgiveness, and the Lord restored his heart. Although David was not eternally damned, the consequence for his sin was that his and Bathsheba's first child died. In order for people to turn from their wickedness and enter into God's eternal salvation, they have to first be aware of their sin. Then, along with faith, humbleness, and desire, confess their sins and turn from their fleshly ways. As Christians, we can certainly pray for God's truth to be revealed to non-believers, but ultimately, they must have the desire to repent. 1 Corinthians 3.7 mentions that man can plant and water, but God causes the increase. Romans 10 verse 10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Before one confesses, they have to be aware that their sin is their fault, knowing that it is wrong, having a longing to change, and through their faith receive God's mercy. Remember, God will never force anyone to change. It's not going to happen, and it's not biblical. As long as anyone refuses to acknowledge God's love and acceptance, they will never change. They can choose a life of sin over a life of forgiveness and salvation. It's called free will. God calls us out of our sin and darkness, however. He changes us from the inside. He regenerates us. After this process, we are born again and saved. We possess a new nature. We are new creatures through his grace and for his glory. It is comforting to know that God is responsible for springing up a new life in those he saves. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So what is predestination? Salvation is not one-sided, as I've said before. God doesn't only decide, and neither do I. It takes both of us, God and man's willingness for man to be saved. God is already willing and always reaches out to us. We are the ones who have to accept his free gift. God is always there, desiring for us to accept his salvation and not spend an eternity in hell. I'm reminded of the lyrics from the band Poor Old Lou from their song Digging Deep. In truth, I know that it is clear. I was distant. God is near. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any shall perish but that all should reach repentance. He desires for everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth and become Christians. 1 Timothy 2, 3-4 says, This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ezekiel eighteen thirty two says, For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God, so turn and live. Of course, God already foreknew if I would accept or reject his free gift of salvation. 
He is omniscient and knows everything before it happens. Romans 8, 29 through 30 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. These verses reveal the issues of comprehending what the Bible says about free will concerning salvation. If we are all predestined and don't have any choice in our salvation, how is God being just if he removes our choice? However, the Bible plainly uses the word predestined, prorizo, which means established beforehand. In the New Testament New International Version, the word predestined appears six times. Acts 4.28 says he decided beforehand. Romans 8.29-30, he predestined. 1 Corinthians 2.7, destined. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined. And Ephesians 1.11, having been predestined. Once one looks over each of these verses and dissects them, they will discover that predestination is never used to decide our eternal destination or that God forces any of our actions. Instead, prorizo is utilized in a more restricted way. So, God has predestined that Christians are reconciled to Christ and are adopted into his family. God also knew from the beginning of creation that his son would die for our sins and that his sacrifice would bring his mercy on us, leading us into ultimate glory. The final way prorizo is used in the New Testament is that God predestined an exact position for Christians within the body of Christ. Looking back on Romans 8.29-30, it says that God foreknew. This simply means that God knew beforehand who would choose to follow him or not. The people he knew of in advance are those he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. So, God's predestining is built on his foreknowledge not his random selection of those who would be saved and those who will not be saved. Once this is understood, it reveals that God is still just and man will still be held liable for their choices. If this were not true, then salvation would be a random act that God determines who he will save and who he will not, removing our free will entirely from the equation. God arrives and affects our hearts by renewing us and empowering us to be humble, Repent to ask for his salvation. Behold Christ and become born again. Salvation reveals life eternal. When our Jesus appeared on earth, he saved us, not by works so that we may boast about what we have done, but instead he saved us by his mercy, by the cleansing of rejuvenation and the restoration of the Holy Spirit. Now that we are justified by his grace, we are heirs with him in his kingdom. Titus 3, 4-7 Mercy is when God inhibits the judgment we deserve because of our sin. We need more mercy, don't we? So what do we do about it now? Free will in salvation is one of the many areas in scripture where one may ask many questions, but there may not be a clear answer. 
So what do we do in this situation? Use exegesis, not eisegesis. In using exegesis, you rely on the original framework of the biblical passage to decide what meaning will be established from it by what you know is true. Here's the truth. It doesn't matter what you believe about predestination. According to the Bible, we have a choice to make. Scripture is filled with passages that point to our free will in determining to follow Christ and that God is always there beckoning for us to accept his salvation. Because your eternity is at risk, you must choose wisely when it comes to salvation. Choosing Christ is the greatest decision you will ever make. There will probably always be a debate about free will and salvation and about predestination. Even though there are strong cases on both sides, it should not become your main focus as Christians. You should be secure in your salvation, plain and simple. End of story. I believe that when we get to heaven, it won't matter if one believes in predestination or free will or once saved, always saved. What matters is that they are saved. While on this side of eternity, though, Christians are called to preach the gospel to the lost, to offer non-Christians the chance to hear it and respond to it. Believers in predestination, synergists, monergists, Calvinists, Berenians, and Arminians will continue to part ways when it comes to maintaining salvation. However, they need to focus, harmonize, and consent on the message of the gospel and God's power to change lives. These groups must not be preoccupied on free will, salvation, predestination, or losing salvation, but instead they should work together in order for the gospel to be available to as many people as possible. This is the most important decision. We do not have a choice as to whether we will do that or whether we will not. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Under Grace Podcast. If you have any questions, ideas for future episodes, or would like to drop me a line, please email me at theundergracepodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at undergracepodcast and Twitter at ugpodcast316. Now go forth and live your lives under God's never-ending grace. Grace.